In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who calls us to trust Him because He is trustworthy. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a scandal in this Gospel reading. The scandal in this Gospel reading comes right at the beginning of the reading. When Jesus' disciples, they go up to him and they said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now what the, the story doesn't necessarily tell you until you start digging deeper is that that was a much bigger question than just who sinned, this man or his parents. In fact, it was a question that the disciples were probably using in order to get a sense of which party or which rabbi Jesus followed. You see, there was this sort of two-party system when it came to the question of blind people and people that were born with deformities. And that question was, if those people were born blind because their parents had committed such an atrocious sin that God had seen fit to punish them by punishing their child... Or did that child in utero commit a sin so egregious that God punished them with blindness or some other physical deformity? They're asking him, which side of this debate do you come in on? And that's asking a much bigger question because the side that that debate came on was a entire side of the way that you understood the scriptures in Judaism. It was a sign of if you basically in that time were a Baptist or a Roman Catholic, if you were a part of a certain denomination or another, this was a hallmark of what it meant to be a part of that group, a part that followed Rabbi Hillel or a part that followed Rabbi Shammai. And so they're asking him this really big question, this big question that in fact would sort of pigeonhole Jesus into one of those parties. It would then maybe what the disciples are thinking clarify for them what it means to follow this guy. Maybe we don't have to continually ask him about what we should believe about X, Y, and Z, but we can just get a general course that we are people that follow Hillel or we are people that follow Shammai and through that we follow Jesus. Jesus says then the really scandalous thing. And the really scandalous thing that Jesus says is neither. Jesus says this man is not blind because of his sins, or because of the sins of his parents, but rather this man is blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now think about that for a little while. That's a scandalous statement. That statement means that God appears in that statement to be so sadistic, so capricious, so self-involved that he would blind a child so that his son, who then came to the world, would then have the opportunity to unblind him. Is that the kind of God that you want to follow?
a God who sets a kid up to be blind from birth and live that way until this moment. Is that the kind of God that we want to believe in? That's the question. That's the scandal. It's the scandal that even shows up in that Isaiah reading, which we were having some microphone difficulties, which made it all the more better, because that Isaiah reading, in a big chunk of it, says that who is blind but my servant Israel? Who is deaf but my servant That in that reading, God is actually saying that he has blinded his own servant, that he has chosen the blind, that he has chosen the deaf, so that the blind person might be his servant, and that the deaf person might be his messenger. And you think, what on earth is this God all about? He doesn't fit our categories. Because of that, it kind of frustrates us. I've been watching the semi-new HBO series, The Young Pope. It's a fun story. Not all the way through it, so I can't recommend it all the way yet. But the way that the story unfolds at the beginning is at least this, that there is a pope who has been elected by the College of Cardinals, and this pope is a, well, he's a young pope, hence the name. He's in his mid-40s. And they've chosen him particularly because he's a compromise. They've chosen him because he is not too liberal and he's not too conservative, but he seems like he'd be a good middle-runner candidate. And that's why they choose him. Because he is going to make everything calm. Because he is going to keep everybody in line. He's basically going to be the Pope that lulls everybody to sleep. What they find out is that Lenny Bellardo, the guy who has been chosen Pope, is not that guy. In fact, what he is, who he is, is somebody who is going to challenge everybody's idea about what it means to be Pope. You start to see the beginnings of this when the Vatican press secretary comes to the Pope and says, well, we have to start approving official images of you so that you can be seen by the entire world. And he says, we are doing nothing of the sort. I want you to fire the Vatican photographer. And when I give my first address, I want the lighting to be so terrible that nobody is going to be able to see me at all. All they're going to be able to see of me is a silhouette. And it gets to that scene where he gives his first papal address and you know what that looks like. All of the people there in St. Peter's Basilica, all of them cheering for this new Pope, this Pope that they have such high hopes for, this Pope who they want to love so desperately. And he gets 
to that balcony in St. Peter's. And he looks out over the crowd and he's completely blacked out. All you can see is his silhouette, if even that. And he begins his first homily. And his first homily starts off with the question that I asked you this morning. What have we forgotten? What have we forgotten? You. You have forgotten God. You need to get closer to God. I am closer to God than I am to any one of you because we all stand before God alone. And he walks back into St. Peter's Basilica. Of course, a scandal ensues. And the scandal that ensues is much like the scandal that ensues after Jesus heals this blind man. There is this question about who is this person? And so you have the rulers of the Jews and the Pharisees that get together and they start working things out and they start working things out with their equations and they start going, well, is this man a sinner? Because, well, sinners can't do these great works, but this man did this great work, so how do we figure this out? What is going on? But the problem is that their equations don't work because God isn't an equation. And that when you treat God like an equation, you forget God. God isn't just about our theological systems. He isn't just about even the liturgy. God is God. The omnipotent, omniscient, terrifying God of the entire universe. The God who made everything that we see in front of us and stuff that we don't see. And before that God, if we stand alone, we are toast. There's no scandal there. There's only need. Which is what this blind man has. Need. Now I'm not saying that the fact that this man was born blind was a good thing. It certainly wasn't. Jesus doesn't want him to be blind. That's why he heals him. 
the stuff in your life that you're dealing with, the health problems that you might have, the job problems that you might have, the relationship problems that you might have. All of those things aren't good things, but they're things that are before God. They are things that you are placing before God in the same way that this blind man was placed before God. That God is coming to you in the midst of all of that brokenness, whatever the broken stuff is in your life, that God is coming to you and He is not following an equation, but that He is following who He is, His divine Godness, and that His divine Godness wants to forgive you and heal you. It's an amazing thing what happens with the man in the story after he has been healed and after all of the religious officials start questioning him and his parents that he gets snarky with them. And he goes, well, you guys asked me this question already. Do you want to become his disciples? What's going on? He's a guy with some chutzpah. But then he meets... His Savior. And before His Savior, He is willing to assume the character of a blind person. Again. Who is it that washed your eyes? I don't know. Jesus says it was me. He falls down on his face and he worships him. We're talking about the theology of the cross. This sermon series. One of the things that you've been praying along with me during this sermon series has to do with one of these theses. It is certain that man must utterly despair of his own ability before he is prepared to receive the grace of Christ. A theologian of glory calls evil good and good evil. Theologian of the cross calls a thing what it is. We have to despair of our own ability in the midst of our blindness in the midst of our deafness in the midst of the problems that are going on in our life and we have to say God I can't deal with this but I know that you can I know that you can come into my life I know that you can make mud I know that you can break all of the equations and that you can save me and God says I have I broke all the rules God became man. Man became sufferer. Sufferer became God dead upon the cross. Man dead upon the cross became risen man, resurrected man, something that we have never seen since. I broke all of the equations for you. 
So this week, may you live with the God of scandal. And know that the most scandalous thing about him is that he loves you so much. Amen.